Arby's death part two. You know, I didn't mean to make this like some kind of series and I don't want to bum you out. And I, I thought when I would be doing this, I wasn't sure really. No, I was sure at first what I wanted to say. I mean, all the details about his death and how I felt and all that stuff. And sometimes now I feel like if I just tell you, it's just going to be clinical that I'm going to sound, there's part of me that just feels so separate from what went on. And that's the way I've always dealt. I mean, you're talking to a woman who, after her dad killed himself when she was 12. No, I don't want any sympathy. I'm just using this as just an example of, you know, what happened in my life and why I feel about certain, what I feel about certain things. But I, I know I can hear you saying, I'm so sorry. No, please don't say that. If anybody ever tells you anything like that about their life or whatever, just don't say, I'm so sorry. Just don't say anything or something. Just listen. But then again, if somebody says that 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years down the line, and they expect you to really just get into it with them and you start crying and, oh, I'm so sorry. No, either direct them to therapy or just tell them to get out of the world or shoot themselves or something. As soon as my dad died, I got shipped off to Cincinnati from Jersey along with my younger brother so that I didn't go to the funeral. I didn't even see... I didn't go to a funeral until I was in my 40s. I didn't see my dad's gravestone until I was 35. After my dad died, nobody talked about it. It was like I was a pariah. Stay away, stay away. You know, nobody, oh my God, it's catching. It's like cancer or something. So I really don't have that much experience in dealing with death. Although I guess because I'm so used to crisis in my house, this is what my therapist tells me anyway. No, I don't sit there and go, oh, she's in therapy all the time. What a loser. Why doesn't she get out of it? You know, once in a while, I see somebody to talk about stuff. And then sometimes I just think I'm wasting my fucking time. So I grew up in situations where, and then I replicated those situations as I got through life, see boyfriend tour. I could always deal with crises well. Crises or crises. One crisis two, three crises, or crises, no, crises. I could always deal with crises well. Crisis, it still doesn't sound right. But I just couldn't deal with regular stuff. When Dave, my husband, had anaphylaxis from this naproxen that I gave him, I gave him two of my 600 milligram uh, prescription naproxens that I was taking for my just death periods, and that was before I went into like the Oxycontin and morphine before I decided, oh my God, I'll just take the chance of dying under general like I almost did once before and having a damn hysterectomy. He had anaphylaxis. I dealt with that fine. I'm always the person I'll do CPR, the Heimlich, whatever. Believe me, you want me in an emergency. It's the little stuff that freaks me out that I'm so neurotic about that you don't even want me around because I'll just make you upset and you won't be able to deal. But... The day before I decided to put Arby to sleep, I guess I dealt with it well because it, was, it wasn't it was a crisis, but it was a big thing. And I had no experience in dealing with any aspect of death. So the day before I decided to put Arby to sleep, I made all the, I did all the adult stuff. I made the arrangements for the cremation. I made an appointment with my vet. My vet says, uh, Roberta, you know, he called me back. He goes, I'm out of town. 
do you want to wait until Tuesday? This was on Sunday. And I said, no. I said, I've got to do this. We've got to do it Monday morning because it would be selfish otherwise. And it would. You know, there's a point when someone or something or an animal suffering so much, you're going, I can't wait for my vet to be there. I've known Randy for 30 years. And yes, it would be comfortable. And yes, he'd probably just be there with me and it'd be compassionate. It'd be all warm and fuzzy and crying and sad. And it's somebody I know really well, but I couldn't wait for that. It had to be done. I actually had a vet. I only met once before do it and she was really nice, but yeah, it would have been nice to have somebody I've known for decades do it. Didn't work out that way. And I think the reason that Arby meant so much to me was that he was my symbol of freedom. When I finally got, I guess you'd call it medicated into functionality, enough to realize that I was in a dangerous and fucked up relationship before I married my husband, I accepted a job at a radio station I had worked before, and I knew that I was gonna move out of Baltimore and sort of move on and leave the guy that I was living with, although he almost had to just, he literally had to kick me out of my own house. I got a dog. A, Arby was my symbol of freedom, and he really meant the world to me. He meant all my dogs mean the world to me, but Arby meant the world cubed to me because of what he symbolized. And I guess when he died, I was sort of, there was a part of me in the back of my head, in my subconscious, it's going, well, wait a minute, does this mean that I'm going to go back to the screwed up relationships again. It was very, very odd. And, you know, did the details matter? I'm sitting there thinking, well, if I get into the details, am I going to start crying or am I going to feel guilty again because I'm not crying? And it sounds too clinical. It's only been two weeks, and already I'm getting used to not having him around. I'm getting used to Jingle being the only dog. Is that good? Is that bad? Is that weird? Why am I even spending the time thinking like that? Just move on. That's what all the meditation and all that and the Buddhism and all that stuff I play with is supposed to tell me. Don't even think about it. Don't even move on. Just sit with it. But the thing that's strange is for somebody like me that would always bang my head against the wall and not want to accept anything was how much acceptance that I had about what was going on. I just accepted everything that would happen with Arby's diminished capacity as he got sicker. It happened so insidiously and over such a long period of time until the last fall, which almost seemed to happen overnight, that I just kept accepting it in a way that I've never really accepted anything else. I read at some of these sites or, you know, people put up these sites about their dead dogs or animals. And no, I don't want a site like that for Arby. But people put up these big things and they spend years putting these tribute sites together. I have no desire to do that. I don't need strangers. Oh, wait a minute. You're <laughs> some of you are strangers and you are hearing about what's going on. But no, I don't need little pictures I with, oh, I don't know, little dog faces and paw prints all around it and then use my photo, my rudimentary Photoshop skills to do all kinds of things and talk about how I was flipping out and all that. Oh, wait a minute. This may be where this podcast is going. Shit. 
I read this story. You know what it is. I read this story on the internet about this woman whose dog died of what Arby has. It's degenerative myelopathy. And what degenerative myelopathy is, it's something that is hereditary, well, no, congenital, whatever it is, in German Shepherd dogs, one of the things. And it's not hip dysplasia. It's a spinal disorder. And it's where the, it's almost like uh, multiple sclerosis in dogs. It's just the body, it's immune deficiency thingy, I think, where the body starts attacking itself and the spine starts degenerating and their hind legs start going first. And then it's their ability to just really fight anything off. There's no immune system. It attacks the spine, the hind legs, and the rest of the body, then the inside of the body, the front legs, the brain. It's just a, a horrendous thing. But I read this whole tribute site about this woman whose dog died of DM, and she was devastated. She was flipped that her dog couldn't run or walk very far. And I am amazed at the amount of acceptance. When Arby stopped walking a half a mile twice a day, well, first it was, you know, miles years ago. Then it was half a mile twice a day. I was happy with that. One. Then when it was half a mile once a day, I was happy with that. And then it was down to the corner once or twice a day. I was thrilled with that. Then when he would only go down to the driveway, I started getting pissed off. And sometimes I really started getting angry at him. And I really started yelling at him, sometimes violently. I mean, I didn't hit him or anything. But I got really, really upset. And then I felt guilty afterwards. I gave him some kind of snack or something. But I just started going, you know, fuck you. What's the matter with you? Da, da, da. Poor dog just seemed... Now I feel really bad that I did that. Shit. See, I didn't want this to be a cry fest. Seems like every fucking podcast I do, I'm just sitting here crying. I got to do more funny stuff. When he couldn't go down the driveway, yeah, I started getting pissed off. And then when he didn't even want to go further than our front walk, I got really, really upset when he needed help to get up from lying down position once in a while I was fine because then he could walk around the house when he needed help all the time to get up I was fine with that because at least he could walk around but then when he just couldn't get up hardly at all I just hated him I hated him for being sick I hated that he was only 12 and he was starting to live like a dead dog. And then I would hear other people go, oh, yeah, yeah, my dog, I had to put him down at 15, 16, 17. And I'm thinking, fuck, well, why isn't Arby going to live that long? Why can't he make it to 13? He almost did. He was six weeks shy of 13. His birthday is my sister's birthday, August 15th. Isn't that weird? I didn't pick him. I didn't know that until after I got him. Well... When he wouldn't walk down, walk without any kind of help, you know, I knew it was going to be time. And for some reason, I guess the anger started going. And I've never done that. Why me crap? Why me? But I was just angry. I was angry at other people that their dogs lived, lived longer than mine, especially a German Shepherd. Arby was really big. He was 110 pounds until his body just started shrinking from the outside in and the inside out. 
And I know big dogs don't last as long. I'm a big dog type of gal. I love big dogs. But when other people have, somebody told me once, and I just wanted to choke them. They said, oh, I had a huge German Shepherd and he lived to be 15. And I'm thinking, fuck, I hate you. Well, I guess, you know, I don't even know how many details. I don't want to bore the hell out of you, but the deal was I never realized how much I was turning into a 24-hour nurse until I came home for the vets after I put Arby down. And I just did what I usually do when I'm in grief. I just, well, there's two things. When my dad died, I slept. I slept for most of the first three months, except to eat and go to school. But other than that, the other thing I do when I'm upset or in grief is I just busy work, busy work, busy work, busy work. Soon as I get home from the vets, I began cleaning everything, cleaning all the blankets and the, the tarps, the urine and the shit-stained sheets. I mean, I just put away and his medicine. I mean, it was a fucking pharmacy. I had 20 kinds of supplements, two kinds of antibiotics, Rimadol, Prozyme, uh, what else? I had tubes of cortisone, tubes of the antibiotic. I had Vaseline for his nose. I put saline in his nose because he had a chronic sinus infection, which he could no longer fight. And his nose was so ulcerated and it bled that I forgot I forgot uh, there was a time when his nose was all black. I'm looking at a picture of him now when he's young. He was probably about two years old before he got this little notch. Um, the, the old female German shepherd from next door when we were living in um, Pennsylvania, north of Philly, she bit off the notch on his ear. I always figured if he got lost, I could say, lost dog, notch in right, top of right ear. And, of course, if he were talking, he'd probably say, it was a wolf. It was a wolf who did it. It was like a 300-pound wolf. I could just hear him saying that. But I look at this, and it's not my favorite picture of him. I put up some young pictures of him after he died because I thought, well, you know, I wanted to see him just alive. I wanted to see him healthy. I wanted to see him in his prime. But those aren't my favorite pictures of him. My favorite pictures of Arby are the ones where he's older. It's where the ones where his muscles all white. And he's lying down and it's not that he looked sick, but he just looks like he needs to rest a lot. But he just looks older. He looks older and wiser. Remember when I was telling you about how I have no respect for people who just live who are old and have just lived, physically lived, but not learned anything. I just know that Arby got wiser, and it sounds so gay when I'm saying it, but I just know he did. And I like him when he looks older. I want to take this picture down. It's not that I hate him for his youth. It's just that I think when I see the pictures of him with the, the white muzzle and looking older and all that. It just makes me think of all the great years that we had together. And I look at this when he's like two years old. I only had him for two years, I guess. It's like any relationship that gets older. It's If my husband ever dies before me, 
I just know that my favorite pictures are going to be of him when we've been around together for a really long time, the oldest ones. Maybe that reflects just me as I'm getting older and how, you know, yeah, sometimes I'll look at some picture of a 25-year-old guy and I'll think, oh, yeah, he's hot, or I see him walking down the street. Those aren't the people that I'm attracted to. I'm attracted to people that are older, not just older, remember, but older and wiser. 